Welcome to the Isle of Misfit Rolls, a 5e D&D actual play podcast where a group of unlikely heroes attempt to save the world from darkness and try not to fuck it up along the way. Let's see how they do this week on the Isle of Misfit Rolls. Friends, family, listeners of the Isle of Misfit Rolls, we gather here today to mourn the loss. To mourn the loss of this recording of this episode. Uh, Something happened. Uh, I'm going to blame it on Adam. More specifically, Almas. It's somehow Almas' fault, even outside of the game. That we have... Yeah, that we have... uh, we had a audio issue, and there is an entire episode that we do not have the audio for. Um, now, we've done recaps before, and we tried to make them fairly well-polished. But if it tells you anything about what happens in this episode, it is just a real clusterfuck, and this recap will be the same. Nothing is written except for minor notes. All of the cast is here to make comments oh. and uh, remind us of all what happened, because it was, uh, uh, quite frankly, nuts. And it's a real shame that you guys miss it. But also, nothing of real import happens. It's kind of just the first time we go full murder hobo. Um, and it, not time. exactly proud of it, but yes, full, yes, full. And you guys will find out how that happens as we discuss it here over the next little bit. But, um, so this is, this is our episode this week start. where... Can we have a moment of silence for the loss of this episode? Okay, moment's done. Keep going. Wow. That was the longest time I've ever spent in my life. Okay. Great. <laughs> Uncomfortable silence. Wonderful. Um, that's why Tyver talks so much. You guys didn't I know. called for it. Um, it's not uncomfortable if you call for it. Feel Welcome to my brain. Um, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Here we go. As if you all have listened to the last episode, you know that we had uh, just left the city of Carling after uh, saving them from the terrible dragon and, and tree coated with darkness in their woods north of town. And uh, we were gifted some things by their lovely uh, dragonborn ruler, leader of the, uh, of the town's industry. And we're making our way entrepreneur. Okay. We knew this going in the entire time. Don't worry about it. No assumptions yeah, were made. Best. Yeah, the locket was great. Um, so we were making our way out of uh, out of Carling, on our way to the next city along the road, on our way towards the Twin Capitals. And that town was the town of Chirin. Now it was uh, as lovely, uh, as beautifully described by Mike, described it as a forestry town. Um, as we made our way in, they had uh, a large oval that encircled the town uh, that started towards the entrance of town and um, it, almost like a track of sorts. Uh, there was, uh, we saw a sawmill and lots of trees that had been cleared out as we entered town. Chalk was not fond of that. You can best believe it. We'll get to that later. 
Oh, that comes um, up later, kids. Don't worry. It comes up this foreshadowing. later. Um, yeah. So uh, Mike created some lovely uh, buildings and attractions in this town um, that hinted at what this uh, large oval area in the town might be doing. Um, there was a, a tavern called the Pit Stop, a general shop called the Broken Wheel, um, with a half-orc shopkeep named Dominic Doretto. We'll now, meet him later. I, I want to stop right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, you're here. I just want to say thank you for creating this. This is clearly a Fast and Furious town, and it's the greatest thing ever. The minute we met Dominic Doretto, <laughs> I was like, he gets it. Mike gets it. And uh, this entire town is based off of... Which which Fast and Furious film exactly? Uh, He's in a lot of them. See, the thing is, it's I lean into more Tokyo Drift on this, even though... Vin Diesel is not in Tokyo. Well, for like two two spoilers, seconds. he yeah. is, but <clears throat> as one of our cast members, don't watch Fast and the Furious. Hmm? Yeah. If you show up in a postcarded sequence, you're not actually in the movie. You're not, you're not in the Thanos. Um, okay, yeah. so uh, the general store. The general store is my favorite, my single favorite name of a building in this campaign. It is the Skedaddle Saddle. <laughs> And they sold cart and uh, cart-related accessories, uh, obviously saddles. Um, everything in the town was made of wood. Clearly, it's a logging town. They use their lumber. It was a uh, logging town, but due to the hard times and recent issues in the forest and stuff like that, this town has recently been repurposed and more into a cart racing town and yeah, using their lumber to in other ways. Um, I'd also like yeah. to point out that this Dominic Doretto fellow um, was immediately smitten by at least Jake, if not Jake and Tabrook. But I don't remember if it was Wait. both of you. You immediately were like, I like this man. Regardless of anything that oh, happened. Yeah. I believe almost also liked him, which is very rare for almost to like a, a stranger. <laughs> almost doesn't like anybody, right, Almost? That's yes, fair. he's very good at insight, and he doesn't like strangers at all. We immediately gravitated towards this man, which makes what happens later all the more harrowing. Um, but we uh, do our little scout about of town. We pull up to the tavern, the pit stop. Uh, Tally made an attempt at parking here and trying to practice driving, and it just went terribly. You can assume the rest. Um, we made it inside, and uh, everything was very racing-themed, and there were uh, specifically a, a large painting of a blonde elf, specifically a high elf, and it had number 28 on it, under the painting. So we go, hey, who's this uh, Who's this guy on the painting here? And uh, the bartender, whoever it is, says, ah, oh, that's Shalur Kinglash. We call him CK. He's the cart king. He's won 28 straight times out at the racetrack. He's just the old fuck that guy. So we find out... Quick question, or not quick mm-hmm. question, quick interjection. First of all, it was funny here because um, as people may know, or maybe they don't know, none of our characters have good charisma in this campaign. Not what really. What are you talking about? We're I all am, bad at it. I am a scion of people pleasing and conversation. What I think you have a nine mean? in charisma. What's your I have that? maybe, ooh, What's it's definitely eight? a minus one. Oh, is it a minus one? Yeah, no, it's a minus one. It's an eight or a nine. It's not great. It's a nine. The group well, high uh, is, is Tali of all people with a plus two. Yeah. And and second behind that is Tavaruk with a plus one. Yeah. So that tells yeah, you so I a lot. Talking. It's fine. We're fine. But no, that's what I loved about this. I 
Adam here said almost is going to take initiative on this. And I went in that thing fucking high waisted and was like, hey, I'm taking control of this. And Mike played it as I am a normal bartender. I don't care. Also, uh, CK, for those who don't know, Drift King was the and uh, the protagonist of Tokyo Drift. We got CK here, DK there. I see what Mike was doing. I appreciate it a lot. Because Donkey Kong, that's fine. Um, so <laughs> in our asking around, uh, we found out that the uh, leader of this town was a mayor, Humklinger, and he was real chummy with old CK. I have and a question. we also found out. Mm-hmm. Is that a reference? I've seen three Tokyo, like Tokyo Drift movies. I've seen three Fast and the Furious movies. Is the name of the no, mayor a reference, that, or am I just like... Okay, for I don't know if we have any parents who listen to this show, but that is actually a play on the evil mayor in Paw Patrol. <laughs> mayor Humdinger. Wow. Oh my god, wow. it's okay. I take it back, this episode's now uh, Everything's a Reference. Which is what yeah, I have the session title as. But anyway. If there's anything this show does, it's catered to children. Um, Absolutely. So we Liz, find out. I have in, a four and five year old. I watch a lot of Paw Patrol. Nothing says uh, child friendly like a BDSM layer. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's very fair. <laughs> uh, so in our interrogations, or just you know, polite asking around town, no one seems to uh, suspect this strange gith who just stumbled into town of anything nefarious. Uh, we find out that Card King is actually tied to the Black Daggers in some way, the rival Thieves' Guild of Tali's former Thieves' Guild, The Hand. Um, So we know something's going on with those guys, and we don't particularly like it. Uh, We go, uh, we leave this tavern, we go over to the Broken Wheel. We want to find out more about this shop and this guy, Dominic Doretto. So we go over and we're talking to him, and he's telling us about these kart races and that he used to be this great racer, until one day someone came along and overthrew him and took his crown. And that was, of course, CK. But CK didn't win in quite the most, um, how you say, affair of fashions and potentially sabotaged Tominic's cart. Now, we had just met this half-orc shopkeep, but we didn't like that shit at all. Uh, so... We were already planning on doing something about the CK fellow. Maybe it was just we were going to race him and take him down ourselves. However, they were, you know, uh, whatever they were doing to cheat to win these races that had become very clear after sabotaging Tom and finding out he was tied to a Thieves Guild. Something was definitely uh, running amok here. And we decided that we were going to do something about it. And um, it just wasn't what anyone thought. And that is because we all uh, finished up our, our uh, goingabouts of town, and we went back to the inn to get some rest, back to the pit stop. Um, well, some of us did. Almost and Tavrug went to sleep, because they always behave and never cause trouble after dark. Um, Aviana Absolutely. and Tali stayed in their room, but were not asleep. And uh, Chuck almost immediately leaves and starts doing some investigating about town. Um, he starts off by going over to the well that we saw at one point upon entering the town. And he saw there's a bucket that you can use to, you know, fish water out of the well. And he cuts the line on the, on the bucket there, on the rope. Falls Very all the way peculiar. in. Falls all the way into the well. Seems strange. Keeps going about town, doing some sneaking... He comes upon the sawmill itself. 
Now, again, like Mike explained earlier, it's not exactly in business, but there's still lots of you know remnants of things around. Maybe some lumber that's left over. Well, it's still in sides, use. It's just mainly being used for cart creation. Ah, okay. Not shipping out as much local right. affairs. They had, if I remember correctly, they had turned their trade from export to gambling. Basically, they were going to become a casino town. They uh, were also the making the barrels for Chirin that Karchar used for Karchar whiskey. Hmm. Extra info. Love it. So, Chuck makes his way over to the sawmill. And he says, I've seen what these people do to my trees. And if you know anything about me, I enjoy trees. I enjoy making trees bigger and more leafy and luscious and lovely and livable. Um, so, of course, Chuck does what any rational lizard folk would do. And he sets that motherfucker ablaze. Like, really easily. Because it's full of sawdust and wood. And made entirely of wood. It's like, hey, building of flammability. You're a great magic item. You burn real fast. And it sure did. Um, we all woke up and went and uh, started taking a look at this, at this very flammable and flaming building. And uh, Tavruk and Almas kind of saw it and said, hmm, damn shame that building's on fire. I guess we'll go back to sleep and kind of didn't plan on doing anything about it until uh, Tali, of course, leapt into action. And she was trying to go uh, help keep the fire from spreading to other houses as it was starting to do. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, Aviana, with her strength lower than her charisma, is useless in this situation. So she was hanging out, watching the town burn because she can't lift a bucket. So, you know. I don't take responsibility for anything that happened. That's all I'm saying. Aviana, terrible in a fire. Good to know. Um, I'm t- terrible at putting out a fire because I have no magic and I also can't lift. Anything. If only she was really close with someone who could, you know, literally blanket the earth and water. Mm. This is a reference that I should get, but I don't know what no, it is. No, literally, your god is Tamtrua. Literally, you your god is God. Yeah, but look, look, that's for another time. No. Also, not a cleric or a paladin, so would that even work? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, um, so, Tali, though, says, well, you know what? I'm pretty cool. I can do cool stuff. She's trying to use control flames and limit the amount of fire, but it's just too much, and it's starting to overwhelm. But luckily, the bucket brigade of Sheeran is in action, so they go over and they run to the well, and they start pulling the rope, and then they get to a frayed end. There is no bucket. And not only that, Chuck starts using magic to actually sabotage the people that are running over there to get it. So not only has he taken out their bucket, he's taking out the people trying to put out the fire. He is just a one-man town-demolishing crew. This is um, what happens when a player is way smarter than the DM. <laughs> You're smart. It's not the first time, but it's not the last time. So we have Gray with us. Gray, please talk us through... This entire destroying this town, because I love it. It's my favorite episode that we never going to hear. God, it's so unfortunate we don't have it. It's so good. So what ended up happening was when our DM Mike started describing our journey to said town, he was describing all the, uh, like, how, how we came into a area where completely devoid of trees, but there were stumps everywhere. 
just tree stumps as far as the eye could see effectively around this. And when we arrived at the town, we discovered that, oh, there's a sawmill. It was used to be a for, uh, lumber town. And Jack really didn't give a, give a, two, uh, two craps about the fact that like, they were slowing down production on the... Um, uh, on the on the lumber side of things, the reality of the matter is the damage had already been done, right? Irreparable damage to the region and everything else. And while Chak nor- uh, normally tries to behave relatively, I say passively when it comes to the uh, like environmental issues and what have you, this was one that he could just not like. It was just too easy to dispose of this town off the map. And so he just, as a uh, as a, a circle of the spore druid that believes in like uh, sort of like a cycle of sorts, he figured if I burn this town down to ash, eventually the trees will grow back in this region. Because that was another thing was they were looking to expand the town be, beyond just the areas that they, they had cleared cut. They were looking to expand into the nearby forest. So he just decided, you know what, I'm just going to wipe this slight off the map. And uh, he came up with this idea, well, I am I can burn down the, the sawmill. And uh, in the process, just encourage the flames to go, to, to go, go beyond that. But of course, uh, people wouldn't be too keen or happy about that. So he, his plan of action was he traveled around the town exploring it to figure out what sort of water sources and other sources they they had at their disposal to put down put out the fire when he established that there was only the well was their primary source of water he and the, he hadn't really seen any spellcasters about or anything like that he just he went okay if i can get rid of the um their ability to draw water they won't be able to establish a bucket brigade to try to control the situation. And so he cut the rope. And then sawdust goes up really fast. If anyone's ever witnessed sawdust uh, catching fire, it just it just goes up like gasoline, effectively. Uh, and uh, so he set fire to the he set fire to the lumber mill. People start freaking out, trying to do a bucket brigade. That doesn't work. And he he just started messing around with everybody who was trying to do something to stop it, hoping that they would eventually realize it was a lost cause and abandoned town. But, of course, pe- people don't necessarily, like, smoothskins don't necessarily act the way Chuck hopes they would. <laughs> it was great. Consistent theme of the show. <laughs> Smooth yeah, skins don't do as Chuck expects. I mean, yeah, to be honest, so much of this show, this like whole season is basically shaped by people are doing things Chuck doesn't like, which is, God, it's so good. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny. Anyway, I say, you know, having Chuck burned out of town as it's a comedy thing, but I digress. So all my hard earned work literally in flames. <laughs> the, the shame is that. The shame is that we know for a fact that there are towns in this game that are one-sentence towns, as Mike refers to them, that are, oh yeah, here's the town, they'll probably just pass through it, 
I'll make and, the rest you know, of the fly. And we'll just do other stuff on the fly. And then he goes, this town is going to be great. I'm going to get really creative names for everything. There's nope. going to be a cool, fun side quest. There's going to be all this other stuff. I drew a map of the town myself. This is going to be so great. Fire. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not a chance. Honestly, so- if I had known Mike had put so much work into it, I might have reconsidered uh, Chak's actions for the for this town. No what? metagaming allowed. At no metagaming time. allowed. Burn the town down. There are two <laughs> things I've put a lot of work in. Mm-hmm. One literally went up in flame, and one figuratively went up in flame. And if you tune into <laughs> next week's mis- miscast, you'll hear more about the other one. The one thing that I'm most dis- uh, disappointed about this, uh, beyond uh, it, whether or not people can hear it or not, is the fact that shortly after this, we started implementing, uh, like, we, we started using video amongst ourselves so that we could, wouldn't talk over one another and what have you. I kind of wish we had implemented it for this one, just to have seen Mike's reaction when the entire town went up. <laughs> That's very fair. I imagine he just ducked under the desk for a minute <laughs> and came back uh, up at some point. I imagine that he went over to his bar and just like started pouring himself a drink. It's going to be one of those. <laughs> oh, what it was so good. There very not- likely. Your 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 foreshadowing is this is this is not going to be the first time that Gray specifically destroys Mike's entire life. But this I promise you that as, as a listener, every single time it happens, it'll be phenomenal. Well, <laughs> others of us have already done it, but on a smaller scale. This was just taking it up to eleven. So <laughs> this is yeah. Mike. I'm like, well, okay, here's like three sessions gone. We're here for main quest. <laughs> <laughs> no no side quest just claw the, quest. Sides, claw the side quest across the chest and burn them down only so side quest allowed is chalk side quest no other um, and chalk side quest is burned down town for destroying <laughs> or buying raccoons. <laughs> buying raccoons yeah but that's worthwhile it's fine so we talked about chalk sabotaging the bucket brigade uh, so the fire is continuing to grow as there is no one to attempt to put it out um, the actual, the mayor's house is not far from the sawmill and his gazebo catches on fire at some point in the spread. And that's when the kind of higher ups of town say, well, okay, now we should care about this. All those other people whose houses may have been about to catch on fire. Yeah, whatever. But the mayor's gazebo time, somebody's got to leap into action. So the mayor signals his little boy, Shalor. And uh, and he walks up to the fire there and rubs his hands together and throws a damn tsunami at the at the fire to put out the fire at the gazebo and keep it from spreading. So that's a thing that the cart driver can do. Uh, while that's happening, Dominic Doretto uh, leaves behind the broken wheel and starts diving hero. through doors of people's houses to try to save them jumping through people's windows and oh I hear someone crying up on the second floor. I got you. And he goes in and um, we didn't see him come out, um, but the fire is still and spreading. You didn't help him. You just let him go nope. by himself. He seems like a strong independent car driver. So I was just thought he could handle it and maybe he could. Um, but we not that long after this get a little bit preoccupied. And that is because the fire is still spreading to houses. Um, the cart king uses another tsunami to 
basically just demolish a full house. Um, this is about the time where Chuck like declares war on the Cart King. <laughs> this, this is exactly when that is. So uh, he destroys the full house, Uncle Danny and Uncle Joe. Um, and uh, right as that is happening, he's trying to cut off the the fuel. He gets rid of a house, so the fire can't go past it. Um. Tavruk and, and Chuck and Almas are all hanging out, kind of watching all this proceed. And a good idea hits them. And they say, hey, we kind of think that guy sucks. He's kind of not paying attention. Why don't we go over there and murder the Card King? And Chuck goes, you know what, Tavruk? You've got great ideas. It's raining a little bit, and he strikes him with lightning. And oh, man, this is, this is when it really kicks off. So... Card King has just been hit by lightning. Everyone else is trying to put out a fire. He's clearly all sorts of, you know, out of it as he's been hit by lightning, but he, he stands up. He's fine. Um, so we all are trying to about to ambush this man when all of a sudden four other magic users are there and also attacking us. Uh, and it just is a real... This is the real shit show. You thought it was the the burning down of the town and the sawmill, but man, this fight. So, real quick, for the fun time mm-hmm. here. So at this point, um, almost I guess we had all leveled up a couple sessions before this, right? Almost had just gained access to counterspell. That'll come in in later whenever we're in the fight. Oh. But the the minute, okay. So the entire adventure, there hasn't been a lot of uh, magic centric towns or whatever, right? The minute Mike says, hey, CK is a wizard. Okay, that's cool. Also, here's a bunch of other wizards. Adam's like, hey, Mike, get some uh, random generated spell books ready because I'm about to murder all of these wizards and take all of the spells. I was so happy to see wizards. Uh, you have no idea. And so yeah. now we're fighting in a, what is it? A druid, a, a fighter, and a wizard are dual are battling it out against a bunch of uh, spellcasters with with the backdrop of rain and fire as this town is burning around us. Yeah, we are literally right next to burning buildings and I try to get the jump on him and I was really just hoping to cut his hand off. Uh I've seen almost use magic enough. I was hoping that with one less hand, less spells available didn't work. So not only do I not get to chop his hand off, but Tavruk is immediately hit with a hold person spell, and he never moves the rest of the fight. Not only does he stand very still for a long time, but I want to say somebody even cast like a darkness cloud on me? Or was it, what cloud was it, Mike? There's was a it fog? A, po- a poison? Stinking cloud. A po- stinking cloud. Yeah. There's a stinking cloud on top of a held person Tavruk. And I just stand in that uh, for the entirety of this fight, and I'm an entirely useless big hobgoblin baby. Hey guys, uh, keep a count of how many times Hold Person works on Tavrook in the entire campaign. Maybe just keep a counter of that. Maybe it'll uh, be good. So we're, at, it, we're at one to one right now, I think. It definitely never comes up again, and don't remember it. So just don't listen to Almas. He's trying to trick you. Um, it's fine. Uh, also in that fight, uh, Aviana spends the first half That's of it. nothing. I, not, uh, yeah. I'm very helpful the entire time. Stop that. You wouldn't know if I didn't say anything. So stop it. Aviana is there in the fight, thinking they're stupid for doing this fight. 
And it's it's just mostly Almas yep. and Chuck just duking it out with these guys. Aviana <laughs> disagrees with the concept of the fight and is, was attempting to go scout out the mayor's house during chaos. And I'm right. And this enti- everything that ta- that Jake just said is correct. Factually, this fight was stupid and we yes. should have gone to the mayor's house. But fair. Fair. But mm. uh but so she's hemming and hawing for a couple rounds before she finally tries to come back in and proceeds to hit nobody with arrows. I absolutely am very useful in this fight. Stop yeah. this. Dice, Aviana, <laughs> best friends. I think uh, yeah, Tally even the, shows up late, right? Tally does jump in about halfway through, I think, because she's she's in the midst of actually trying to like help people and yeah. be the good citizen amongst us and put out a town on fire. But I think at some point she does come over and start saving the day. And uh and it this fight, one thing about wizards and about counterspell is all of those other wizards also knew counterspell. So I think Almas got counterspelled at every turn. Oh yeah, hey Mike, so what's your details about this fight, by the way? Like what's your perspective of this fight? So we have gone in a bunch of idiots coming in being like, oh look, we're gonna fight a wizard. Hey Mike, what'd you do? Well, I did not have these people statted whatsoever. So a peek behind the screen. I just created five Almuses. Which hey Almus, what level were you at this point? I think five. I mean I, I had third level five. spells. You had third level spells, and what was your intelligence modifier at this point in the campaign? Oh yeah. By the way, guys, almost his stats super good. He has a twenty intelligence at this point in the campaign already. So we were fighting five wizards with plus five intelligence and crazy. I think the entire campaign, Aviana's the only only one with negative stats. Everyone else has at least a zero, if not a one. So keep that in mind as of the first session. So everyone, and again, we're level five at this point, so it's fucking cuckoo bananas. Everyone's got real good stats. Yeah, Mike just pretty much pulled easily at, like he said, he copy-pasted a bunch of Almuses, a.k.a. Now we're fighting a bunch of, like, pretty good statted-out wizards, like, decent hit points for wizards, plus five uh, intelligence modifiers, and they all got third-level spells with counterspells, a lot of counterspells. And I did switch in some Mm -hmm. different spells on yours. Yes. I literally just pulled up third, one, two, three, like... First to third level spells, and we'll start pulling them off the fucking D and D Beyond. Oh, believe me, I needed those different spells. <laughs> yes. So, what fight? That fight that essentially ended up being a a one Almas, a half a Tali, and a Chalk against five Almuses. Yep. Somehow turned out okay. <laughs> uh, we managed to. For sure, kill two, three of them, and Cart King is running, and Almas with super range dope spells manages to knock him down. And then, uh, as we see him in the far distance, one of the the last remaining wizard is potentially trying to help him up, and Almas just magic missiles him one, two, three shots in the back on the ground, and CK is a dead son of a bitch. Uh, yes. Also, during this point... Oh, go ahead, Greg. Oh, wasn't there a problem with some of the wizards getting defeated where they started nuking their own spell? Yes, one one <laughs> wizard killed himself so we would not get his spell book. Yep, killed himself and, and killed his spell book. Uh, the other two were too far for us to... One was alive and CK was dead, but really far away. So that was not pursuable because halfway through... 
this fight as well. At some point, the town's guard had been made aware, or maybe the mayor saw us and he went and got like the the militia. So yeah, so the fight is on the verge of ending, and we're trying to kind of kite away from this fight. Almas hits that last fateful magic missile to make sure at least CK is done with. There's just some random wizard in town that's left with no friends. And uh, the militia turns the corner. And so we are just booking it. We manage to, some of us get back to the cart and start getting out of town, but Tali can't leave the mayor's house alone. At some point, Aviana and her mentioned checking out the mayor's house and by damn it, they were going to do it militia or not. So Tali tries to go off on her own, and Tavarik says, I've been useless for a while now. I at least have to come watch your back and make sure nothing terrible happens. Bringing that big dad energy. So, yeah, so we go to the mayor's house. We break in. We're looking through for notes and such and such, and anything that you know can maybe link him and CK to the Black Daggers or anything incriminating or anything at all. And um, all of a sudden, we get a knock on the front glass of the building, uh, and we look outside, Tavaruk specifically looks outside because Tali was still working, and there is the cutest little raccoon that you've ever seen. And he's holding up a paper note, if I'm not mistaken, and he hands it to me, and it says, oh, well, we're going to be meeting at the north side of town, we got to get the hell out of here, we've got the cart, meet us at some point. And the reason Bach was able to do this and outrun these this militia and make it back to the cart and everything and not have to sacrifice a raccoon is that I believe the jump spell was cast on him. So he was just leaping through the town like the Incredible Hulk raccoon. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, so we see they're coming. We know where the group's going to meet up. We uh, start taking off, but not before Tally gets a couple crossbow shots in the back as we're exiting the house. I think we found some gold and some a potion and some loose papers that, you know, I don't think, I don't know what else we get from them all too particularly, but we didn't get a chance to look through them at the time. That may come up on the actual episode we have a recording of, but at, at this point in the campaign, I don't remember that they were too memorable. Um, yeah. Not sure exactly, but... I stopped uh, listening for five seconds. What are we talking about? What's not memorable? The, the papers that were discovered at the mayor's... I got nothing. Nope. I don't think we yeah, got I don't anything think from it. Amazing. I just said yeah. that we found papers. If anything it's comes amazing it, it's, when it's, you it's, surprise the DM where were you a place to uh, raid, he doesn't have planned treasure for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Sure. So, <laughs> but they, they, we got the papers and we took off. I think we just grabbed a stack full because it was short notice and maybe they get looked for later. Maybe they don't. It At this point... With all six of us here listening, oh, none of us can exactly remember if they were important or not, so they probably weren't. <laughs> they get looked through at a point, and they just weren't important. Yeah. So, uh, so Tavrug leaves the house. She catches the shots in the back. We manage to uh, to sneak out the back of the house, and while the militia is distracted with the front side, we go around the outer lying side of the woods where we meet mm-hmm. Chuck, Almas, and Aviana, and Bach, who had safely returned to the cart. And uh, we make our way out of town. And that is where the lost session ends. Uh, with fire, with ash, with lightning struck wizards, with the unknown fate of the owner of the broken wheel, Dominic Doretto. And that's probably the most important thing that came of this, is, uh, is, is the question that we will ask many times the rest of this campaign is what 
happened to Dominic Toretto. 